Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I had to. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. I'm Rob McKnight and I'm joined as always by the serial killer whisperer, true crime author and criminologist Amanda Howard. Hello Amanda. Hello Rob, how are you going? Rob, this is a new turn of events. (laughs) I I mean... You've never called me Rob before. No. Um, we, no. We, we knew each other when I was younger and I was always a Robert until I went to uni where I became a Rob. That was enforced on me. It wasn't a choice and I still got the scars. But um, you've never called me Rob. This is, wow, what a day. <laughs> I know it just it just felt better because um, people know you as Rob and I know a lot, lot of people still refer to you as Robert but I thought I'd go with it I think I have to let go of my high school friend Robert and be with my now co-host Rob oh there you go I don't think I like it. Um, we are talk- <laughs> Just being honest. Um, we are talking about the case of Debbie Stevens today. She was um, on an emergency call. Now, we've done emergency calls in the past, but this one is a real journey, and we're devoting the entire profile to this recording, Amanda. It will certainly take us on a journey, won't it? It will, and I need to steal myself because this one actually I sobbed whilst I was listening to it. So it's just one of those ones that I'm sorry, guys, I will likely get emotional. Um, you may not see it because I had Botox yesterday, but um, it's it's certainly a journey, that's for sure. It certainly is, and that is coming up soon on this edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. In the meantime, let's get into the news. And two serial killers have won a legal battle to keep their privacy during parole hearings in Canada. A federal court judge has ruled serial sex killer Paul Bernardo and cop killer Craig Munro have a right to privacy, despite the families of their victims requesting information about the pair. The Canadian government fought against the release of any information and has also asked the families to pay legal costs of $19,000. Amanda, isn't this a kick in the face? I I mean, (laughs) the families who were victims of these killers want information and now the government wants them to pay for trying to get that information. I I cannot believe this. 
It is a crazy outcome that's come, especially that the families have been asked to pay the court fees. Uh, because what we've seen before, especially in the Paul Bernardo case with Carla Homolka, she was released after getting an absolute incredible deal that sort of placed her as, as a victim as well instead of as a partner to Paul Bernardo. So they, they're trying to save face because if they open it up and we get to see all of this in the public arena, there's going to be so many other flaws. They really don't want us to know. And the fact that Bernardo is up for a parole hearing is disgusting enough. So, so um, you're, you're I, saying this reeks of a cover-up? I think it's going to, if they had won, we would have seen more information about what's going on because we know that Bernardo has always protested his innocence and yet there's film of what he did. So it's, I think it's things like that that they really want to be out there in the public arena and the court has said no, they they deserve the right to privacy that everyone else does. But I think that they waived that right when they decided to kill people. Could not agree more and when they found guilty of killing said people. Um, it's it's just flabbergasting that the government or the prosecution wants the families to pay this $19,000, as you say. It's disgusting. Um, I, I don't understand why the government has fought so hard, but it makes sense if you are saying that there are some things that could come into the public domain that won't look good for the prosecutors. Uh, this is a case we have done here on Monsters Who Murder, yes. Serial Killer Confessions. This might be one to w- that would be worth going back now that we're doing the video podcast because yes. he was fascinating to watch in that interrogation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that you actually remember that. So, yes, he, he sat at the head of a table and just sort of sprouted all of this nonsense as they were going through it and tried to mm. blame other people and said the people have been killed since and that he's not responsible and it just shows the arrogance that, that he had. I'd love to see um, footage of him now because he's fat and bald. So not that I don't love fat and bald <laughs> men, believe me, I do, but the fact that this this man was so much about his looks and, you know, he, he had that blonde fringe flick and had all this stuff about how he looked to know now that he doesn't look like that. I think some people forget about that and we will go into the Menendez brothers another time, but I just think it would be interesting to see him in court. I would love to see uh, cameras in there seeing all of this information going out there, but unfortunately uh, Canada, like Australia, does have very much close court. Mm, Okay, let's move on because Outback serial killer Regina K. Arthrell has lost a plea not to wear a tracking anklet as part of her parole conditions. To give you some background into the case, let's take a look at this report from Nine News from a few weeks ago when the New South Wales government was fighting softer bail conditions. When this elderly woman was exposed to her neighbours as serial killer Reginald Arthrell, she was run out of her Yaguna nursing home. Now known as Regina Kay, but still capable of violence, according to expert doctors. The state government is fighting to keep the murderer under strict supervision before it expires in two weeks. Kay walked from jail last November after serving almost 24 years for bludgeoning fiancé Vanette Mulhall to death at Coonabarabran while on parole for two other killings. The 75-year-old wants to go bush and reconnect with a former prison boyfriend. A court told she's made progress on her emotional state and alcohol abuse by transitioning to a woman. 
The killer also wanted to be able to drink alcohol and have free use of the internet. But Justice Richard Button has instead imposed a two-year extended supervision order on the triple murderer with strict conditions until she's aged just over 77 years. Amanda, I have a couple of questions. First, your thoughts on the judgment. Um, I think it's the best that they can get because we know that they actually tried to extend um, her time in prison, but uh, they weren't able to get that uh, across the the line. So now we are seeing that he's wanting, sorry, she's wanting more and more um, freedoms, but, you know, they're just trying to get that because they know that Arthur has actually murdered whilst on parole for two murders. So it's just crazy that uh, they think that even though he's not 77 that it's absolutely likely that there could be further violence if she's not under control so it's Mm. just i'm sorry i'm just so flabbergasted by this that um the freedoms that this person is getting for being a triple murderer um is more than a lot of people get so you know i won't even talk about lockdown i promise all right let me talk to you about this though i've noticed a few killers have transitioned while serving out their sentences is it possible gender identity issues played a part in their psychopathy well you know let's remember there wasn't a lot of tolerance for people who were seen as different when young people when people like arthur were young and i don't mean to say that if you're transitioning you're a psychopath but what i'm saying is that if those tendencies are there and you are different and you're don't feel like you fit in it could possibly lead you down a path uh yes and no i mean uh transgender yes it is completely far more accepted these days compared to when it was then but i well even being gay wasn't accepted let's be honest here from a social point of view being gay let alone transitioning was not accepted and that um feeling like an outsider from society has to do something to your psyche once again not saying you become a psychopath who wants to kill people but i'm saying if if this person had issues or any of these people had already had issues and society is not their friend can it lead them down that dark road Still yes and no, because I think that there are parts of of that journey that for some of them is actually a true journey. And like people like Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy, who sort of um, killed gay people or people that they perceived as gay in a way to sort of... uh, reconcile what that they're feeling and trying to uh, project it onto their victims. But also there's people like Richard Speck and now Arthur that I believe that this is more of a um, survival technique. Is he a true um, transitioning non-binary? I don't think so. I think that this is more about this is the way that she is projecting that she is a a harmless person now as an elderly person i think someone who is transitioning would do it far differently to how this is happening and what we're seeing actually is that arthur is being treated like dennis ferguson was many many decades ago that was a, a pedophile that took children across uh, state lines and and raped them and all of that and he was hounded until the very last moment of his death so i think this is what we're seeing now is it justified yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think uh, people who, who who kill children and, and spouses and all that sort of stuff probably don't deserve a very comfortable life after they've been released, after killing three 
people. We have yeah. to remember that part. Why is this person on, on the street regardless? So the fact that the government can actually get a two-year um, re restriction, I think that that's uh, showing something that they can do because they're just trying to find a legal way to, to keep control of, of Arthur Hall that wasn't happening when he was basically released. Yeah, fair enough. All right, last week our psychological profile was on Ryan Waller. Waller was the prime suspect in the murder of his girlfriend, 21-year-old Heather Kwan. After enduring a six-hour wait in the back of a police car and an intense police interview, it was finally discovered Waller had been shot in the face, as he had claimed multiple times, and was a victim of the home invasion. Richie Carver and his father Larry were eventually found guilty of attempting to break into Ryan's Arizona home on the evening of December 23, 2006. After the interrogation we witnessed last week, Ryan was admitted to hospital as a major trauma. He had multiple surgeries and lost his left eye, as well as part of his brain. He would suffer seizures for the next decade, and on January 21, 2016, following a severe seizure, he passed away. Richie and Larry Carver were sentenced to life imprisonment. Amanda, I want to have a quick look at the fallout of this case, as I talked about last week. Let's start with a news report at the time where Ryan's father spoke to Channel 3's Good Evening Arizona. I knew something was wrong. Just had that gut feeling. John Waller was worried sick when his son Ryan didn't show up for Christmas dinner. So he asked police to do a welfare check. The officers checked the house and found a woman deceased on the couch. Police also found Waller's 18-year-old son. It appeared he, he had some injuries in his facial area. It appeared he possibly had been the victim of an assault. We see them walk out with somebody in handcuffs who looked like my son, but it's nighttime and I could see this person, the side of their face was pretty mangled and they put him in the back of a police car. According to the father, his son sat in the back of a police car without medical treatment. Fire dispatch records indicate a unit was sent at 1.30 in the morning to verify the female victim inside was deceased. Paramex went in the house and came out of the house later on and drove down the street and never once went and looked at my son that was sitting in the police car. Why wasn't he transported to uh, for medical attention? I don't know if he was treated initially at the scene. I know the fire department went to the scene for the young lady. According to fire records, Ryan was transported to the hospital at 6.30 in the morning when detectives learned the young man had been shot in the face. I'm sick. I'm just devastated. My son is in there. He has to go through surgery. He has bone fragments and bullet fragments in his brain, bleeding in the brain, and I don't know if I'll ever see my son walk out of there again. Now, obviously, Amanda, we watched last week as Ryan went through that shocking interrogation where he obviously wasn't in a right state of mind. He had been shot like he claimed, and he even had to wait in that police car for six hours. We know things they didn't in that report. That report was of its time. But Ryan's dad became a big advocate for him, didn't he? He did because there was so many flaws in the system that uh, it, it was incredulous that he actually had to go through that. There is actually uh, evidence that they took 36 photos of his injuries to his face at the house and no one bothered to think, oh, gee, they're pretty big, awful wounds. I mean, we, we saw it on camera. The first thing you see is this massive black eye. His nose is messed up and, you know, 
the ambulance and, and the fireys didn't even look at him. You know, that, that officer just then on the camera is going, oh, I don't know if he was treated at the scene. We know he wasn't treated at the scene. We know that no one looked at him. We know that he sat in a police car for six hours whilst they processed the scene. Like, there, there's nothing in this that was right. So, um, Dom, Dom Waller has the absolute um, right to sort of go a bit crazy. And like mm. a lot of people said in the YouTube videos, you know, we hope that he now owns the Arizona police because uh, they didn't do a good job for his son and the fact that he then become a, a high care patient because of the wounds that he had suffered with the internal bleeding and um, one of the shots actually um, exploded the side of his face and the fact that he wasn't allowed uh, that treatment you know as we saw and a lot of people said to me as we did that as a two-parter they went oh I know there's something wrong I'm not you know a clinical person but I can mm. tell that he is in more than just just pain this is not someone who's just been beaten up this is someone with some serious issues and and we find out later that he had two bullets in his head. Yep, yep. And I was saying the same thing. I didn't know what it was, and I was thinking drugs, I was thinking concussion. Yep. Um, this guy was guilty until proven innocent. That is the simple fact here. Absolutely. Was there any fallout over the way the police handled this investigation? Oh, yeah, there certainly was because they had a lot to answer for and that's where, where Don came into it to make sure that they, they were accountable because there is um, first aid and everything that all these police officers have to do and they didn't render him first aid. They treated him as a criminal. They didn't care. They took photos of his feet. They took photos of his face. They were more concerned about that than they were about the welfare of this person. As you said, they treated him guilty before finding that he's an innocent victim in here. Mm. So uh, there was a lot of citations that happened all this sort of stuff to make sure that if they find someone on scene that looks like that, that they actually get seen because, you know, this was fatal. Yeah, absolutely. And the case became more complicated because of Larry Carver's wife, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so Larry Carver's wife, they had broken up. Um, some reports say that they, uh, they had divorced, but something was going on. They, they still had a relationship, though it was fractured. And what happened was that she actually went to the police and said, this is what my husband has told me. And so she did it willingly. She didn't sort of um, get hauled in or put under arrest. She came in and told them that he had confessed to this crime. And then when it got to, to court, they decided, you know, she, she decided to use spousal privilege and refused to actually testify. So then what we have now is Michelle Kwan's law and it was to say that um, people in a spousal relationship can be compelled to uh, make a testimony that may convict their, their significant other. Um, then it went through a whole legal thing because they said, well, the precedence has now been set after this case. And so then they had to prove they had to actually go back and make this retrospectively and they did. And so it's sort of, it got um, dropped and then picked up a couple of times before he finally went to trial and was finally found guilty. It's interesting searching online about this story. There isn't actually that much out there, which is quite surprising. I think if it happened now, we would have loads and loads of internet stories and, and news items. But because oh, the internet archive has really started in the late um, 2000s, it's 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 not all there so it has been fascinating to watch yeah. um it's really interesting if you want to see the things we're talking about here on monsters who murder serial killer confessions and there's multiple ways to do that the easiest way is to go to mwm.uscreen.io right there you can buy an episode for five dollars or you can subscribe for a monthly uh subscription of fifteen dollars and that will give you access to all videos meanwhile you can also do it as part of our patreon feed where 
on our $25 tier, you can get access to the videos that we produce each week. Or just for $5, you get early access to the new episodes. $10 and up, you get access to Amanda's secret Facebook group. For $20, you get access to the group calls we do each month. And our $50 tiers get one-on-one chats with Amanda. There's a lot of reasons to go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. All right, in a moment, the emergency call that will take you on a journey you won't see coming. It's the emergency call of Debbie Stevens. Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. We'll be right back. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I actually... With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. This week we're going to take you through a compelling emergency call. While in past episodes we've brought you multiple calls, today we're focusing on one in particular. This is a call where every decision made can be the difference between life and death. At 4.38am on August 24, 2019, 47-year-old Debbie Stevens had headed out in her SUV to deliver papers, finding her usual route blocked by rising waters. She tried a different way and found herself bogged in another flooded area. She rang 911, begging for help. Donna Renayu answered the call. 911, where's your emergency? is what I'm asking you. What color is your vehicle? Yeah, dark. It's, it's gray SUV laying in the window. The mortar's all the way up to my windows. Okay, hold on for me. Don't hang up. Okay, that's interesting. While the lady was giving information on her location, she was interrupted to ask about what colour the car was, asking specifically if it was a dark blue vehicle. Why, why did she ask that? Well, I think we can guess that what happened was that there had been other calls about another car that had been bogged and was in rising waters as well, and that was a dark blue vehicle uh, similar to hers, but not the same. So okay. um, the fact that she's giving all of this Im- information that should be being written down, the um, the dispatcher's going, is it a blue car? 
you know, I know that they're not supposed to get excited. I know they're not supposed to sort of panic them, you know, but there is almost a complacency from, from this very opening of this call that she sort of, we can hear this woman is panicked and we know that they need to calm them down. But she's asking questions that aren't really pertinent. Basically to me, I think she's saying, oh, she was going to say, oh, that call's come through, see you later. Yeah. And that's not what was going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Debbie keeps talking, trying to tell dispatch that she's actually very scared. And it's coming in my windows. I mean, I'm floating in water right now, ma'am, ma'am. And you're at close to the area, 5801 Kincaid? Uh, yes, ma'am, I need help right now. I'm, 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 I'm soaking wet, I'm sick, and I can't, I don't know what to do, ma'am. Okay, what's your name? Debbie Stevens, please help me. I don't want to die. You're not going to die. Hold on for me. Well, I need to, I, I'm scared. I'm sorry. I didn't know the water. I couldn't see the water when I came up on it, man. It just all of a sudden hit me. And you're in a gray van? I'm in a gray SUV, a Mazda CX-9. And you are a paper person? Yes, I'm a paper person. Please send somebody fast to get me. I'm scared. Okay, listen to me. I can't calm swim. Down I can't swim. I'm going to drown. You're not going to drown. Just calm down. Well, ma'am, it's all the way up to my chest. Okay, Please, listen to me. I understand. Hold on for me. I'm scared. I'm sorry. I'm scared. It's fine to be scared. You have a right to be scared. I'm Hold scared. On <laughs> Okay, I know dispatchers need to be calm and help as best they can. Is it just me or does this one seem almost disinterested? Yeah, absolutely. You know, she's she's justifying, yes, that you're allowed to be scared, but her complacency, and this is going to be a word I, I'm going to use a lot in this interview, um, is, <laughs> is to a point that, like, Debbie is apologising for actually being scared. You know, this is um, someone who is very caring. You, you can tell that she's apologising because she's such a gentle person that she's, I'm sorry, ma'am. Like, she's being polite mm. and well-mannered when, you know, the dispatcher is saying, you're not going to drown. Like, she doesn't know. She's saying the water is up to my windows i cannot swim yeah. and she's saying no oh, you're not gonna drown it, it is interesting because debbie is literally saying there is water coming up to her windows that to me is a red flag um this woman is genuinely scared of dying this isn't a bog this is flooding waters coming into her car it is, and it's it's insane that um, she's more concerned about the colour of the car and that she's a, pa- a paper person. Like, she, she delivers brochures the and, I get. and newspapers. The paper who gives a shit, unless you are at the point where you're trying to distract, I get that, but we're not at that point yet. We're at the point where vital information needs to be gathered to get the crew out there. Yep, and she's given the address multiple times. She's not 100% sure where she is, and I know that streets in, in, in the US are massively long, but she's trying to give as much detail as she can. And the dispatcher is just asking some very random questions that are throwing mm. her. And she's like, I'm trying to blurt out what I need to tell you, and you're asking me, I deliver papers. Yes, not mm. going to help. It's actually going to make it worse because that will um, become like a massive solid brick once the water hits all those papers in the back of her SUV. Oh, very good point. Uh, look, the call continues with Debbie in absolute terror. <laughs> Do you, did you go off the road into a ditch? 
No, ma'am, I was in the, in the parking lot of the, of the apartment cutting through to go to my paper route because I couldn't go down 66th Street because it was flooded. And when I got to the end, I didn't see, I couldn't see the water in that driveway and there was water everywhere. And it just, it just took me away and started pulling me, just sucking me in and then my, then my car died. is it going to be, man? My phone's going to die, and I can't charge it. It's going to get wet. It's all the way up. It's all the way up to my neck almost. Well, look, if you're having an emotional reaction to this, you're not the only one. I can see Amanda in my preview monitor um, holding her breath as she sees this. My wife, Amanda, who switches the show, you I think you might have heard her a couple of times in the background reacting. This is heart-stopping stuff. Amanda, in the last section, she said the water was up to her chest and now it's up to her neck. This water is fast rising. The fear must be unimaginable. My goosebumps are just going crazy right now. I, I can't imagine. Um, I, I have a massive fear of drowning because I did drown when I was a child. So I have a whole thing about safety and water and everything like that. So we have a 47-year-old. She yeah, but then said you that were fine when I took my hands off this. you. So anyway, a <laughs> <laughs> joke to lighten the tension. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that does help. It does help. I'm sorry. But, yeah, but you know, we, we are seeing that she is begging. How long is it going to be? She knows she doesn't have long when she's saying it's up to her neck um we'll actually realize that that's the water outside the car not inside yet because it's going to come inside very soon she is already wet because it has sort of splashed in but on the outside it's up to her, her neck i had to sort of work that out because she um changes where it's up to a couple of times during this and it's because it's the inside water and the outside water which is yes. very different parts of this you know and she's well, that's saying, what i took because the window is, is up, the water be? is up to the windows and it's leaking into the car and it's rising in the car yes. as well that's right. Yeah, mm. that's right. So it's not up to her neck inside yet, but it's just a matter of time. And, you know, this is a woman who is in an unfamiliar area because, as, as we said at the beginning, she had been sidetracked um, because of, of the water elsewhere. She's hit it at like 4 a.m. So it's dark outside with the rain, with the water and everything. She has no idea what's going on. She was just going out to do part of her job. She actually shares this job with her, her mum, which will come into it later. But, you know, she's just saying how long is it going to be? And the dispatcher is not giving her answers she's mm. just like typing or doing whatever she, i know she has a lot of stuff to do that she can't sort of converse with her while she's trying to get the other bits and pieces and getting people on the roads and all this sort of stuff but what i'm unclear of if i can be honest is whether the call has been placed to get someone to her yet i'm not well, sure well, if yeah, it has it's not no right. not yet as far as we can tell not yet because she does uh the dispatcher, I think her name's Donna, um, actually says, I'm, I'm making the call now. So we know that it hasn't happened yet. Okay, so we're about to get into our fourth clip of this as this um, uh, situation takes place. We know that every second counts. Well, and here we've got Debbie continuing to plead with Donna, the dispatcher, to get her help quickly. Let's see if that call gets put out here. Okay, hold on for me. Hello? I'm listening to you. So I said, hold on for me. Hold oh, on, please help me. Lord, please help me. I don't want to die. Miss Debbie, I need you to calm down and hold on, okay? Oh, I'm scared, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm scared. I need the cops to come get me. I need somebody to help me. I'm scared. Are you the only one in the vehicle? Yes, I'm the only one in the vehicle with all my papers floating around me. Okay, listen to me. Make sure yes, you're in the area of 5801 Kincaid. 
I don't know what 58 or 110 is. I don't know. I just know there's two sets of apartments no, over there. She's not sure. Listen to me. I you're, listen to me. If you're doing the paper, yes. you got to know at least a little bit of where you are. I can do this paper route over here, ma'am. I was cutting through to go to my paper route because I couldn't get down 16. So tell me what do you see then. What do you see? There's some apartments because all I see is some apartments. I don't know the names of any of these apartments what over here. The apartment, what does the apartment complex look like? I, I can't see them, but man, there's two sets of apartment complexes, one on the right and one on the left. And I'm in the back side of them back here in a bunch of grass. It looks like a bunch of trees. Okay. I'm going to send somebody out there to you, okay? What? This already getting up to me. I'm scared. How long is it going to take? I don't have an officer available, so it's going to take a minute. So I'm going to try to get somebody out there to you. Just call them, okay? I'm going to die. It's all the way up to my windows. I'm going to die. You're not going to die. die. Um, this woman is genuinely scared, and rightly so. The water is rising. She's being told she won't die. I, I don't know if the dispatcher is trying to... if that's the dispatcher's way of trying to calm her down. But the worst thing here, I don't have an officer available. I mean, this is outrageous. It is so disgusting. She has just said that she's on the grass, which means that she's already been swept off the road. She wasn't doing a delivery in that area, you know. Well, you should know where you are if this is your paper route, you know. She thinks that she's about to go and pick up a kid on the side of the road who skinned his knee. Literally, that's how this case mm. is being treated. She is okay. saying the, the, the water's up to her windows. She is terrified. She's panicked. She doesn't know where she is. She's trying to give descriptions of things, and she's saying, I'm behind all of this. I can't see names because I'm in the back streets because I was trying to sort of go between all the, all of this flood water. You know, she was trying to do the best she possibly can for a bloody paper route. It's just yeah. devastating. But at the same time, you know, don't be stupid. You're not going to drown. Like... And she's in a life and oh, death situation apologising because she feels like she's wasting this dispatcher's time. Yeah. And yeah. I've got to play this next clip because as Debbie's trying to give more information, listen to how it pisses the dispatcher off. Have a listen. Hold on for me. I'm going to get out and swing him. If I could, I would. But I don't know how to swim, baby. I'm scared. And there's people over there watching me and they're probably laughing and they're over there looking at me. People are looking at you and they're not going to help you? Two sets of cars over there and they're just all looking at me like I'm stupid. I couldn't help it. I love it. They just started pulling me down the road. Okay, hold on for me. I got my lights on in my car. That's the only thing you can see. I'm not just need help. It's getting, it's getting bad. It's all going to pass my steering wheel. I'm going to try. <laughs> Please help me. Please help me. How long is it going to be? Please listen man. to me. Listen to me. I need you to calm down and hold on. Okay? I'm scared, man. I understand that you're scared, but there's nothing I can do sitting in a chair. So you're going to have to hold on, and I'm going to send you somebody, okay? Can't do anything sitting in your chair. That is literally your job and you still haven't sent anyone i mean yeah, yeah. and you yeah 
it's just incredible. She's basically going to basically send a police officer to do a drive-by is, is what she sounds like yep. that she's actually trying to ar- arrange. Not telling the other people that need, need to come in for help that there are multiple people standing around. So maybe someone else she could call out to, to the rest of the people in, in her office saying, is anyone else getting calls from this? Does someone have an address? You know, she's saying, so, so what, they're standing there staring at you, but they're not helping you. The water is up to her steering wheel on the outside of her car. Who is literally going to go and walk into that flood water to help her? They can't. They're mm. watching her. They're watching a woman die. And they don't know what to do. This is floodwaters no, that are obviously moving at pace because it swept a car out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Debbie, under these situ- circumstances has been very clear and concise about what she does and doesn't know. She's given the information on what she was doing. She's given as much information on what street she's in. She doesn't know the name of it. It's not the usual route or route, as they say in America. But listen to this next part as Dispatch finally puts the details out but makes several mistakes. I'm the phone with you, okay? I'm the king. I'm the king. Nobody's saving me. Am I not on the phone with you trying to get you some help? Yeah, okay, somebody can me before I die. I'm sorry. You're not going to die. I don't know why you're freaking out. It's okay. I know the water level is I'm high. Scared. I understand that, but you're freaking out doing nothing but losing your oxygen up in there. So just calm down. This isn't a lot. This isn't a moment for a life lesson. Like seriously, the dispatcher getting angry because Debbie is um, fearful, and the dispatcher abusing her. This is abuse. It is. It is. You know, there's no empathy happening here at all. You know, I know you're scared, but crying, you're going to use up your oxygen. You can hear Debbie freeze, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm using up my oxygen in my watery tomb." You can you, you can almost hear that that thought process going that she is begging for help, and nowhere yet has the dispatcher said help is on the way. No, we haven't got to that point yet, and so she's like, like she just wants all she wants to hear is help is on the way we're going to get you there we've had other calls we know where you are we're we're coming to save you but no that's that's not what we're hearing no it's just evil and things are about to take an even worse turn because debbie's phone is dying are they not gonna come get me you said what i'm sorry when are they gonna be here as soon as they get there oh how long is that gonna be before i die yeah i know Man, my phone's gonna die, and I'm not gonna find it, and it's gonna ruin my brand new phone. Do you really care about your brand new phone? I mean, you're over there crying for your life. Who cares about your phone? I need to get down. I need to throw up. I need to throw up right now. Well, then uh, you're in water. You can throw up. It's not gonna matter. If you got throw up on yourself, they'll still help you. No, my car is just gonna catch on fire. How? If it's underwater? It's turned on. I can't turn it off. Your car's not gonna catch fire in water. This is incompetent. If a dispatcher can't understand why it's an issue if the phone goes flat, I mean, this is amateur stuff. If the phone's flat, she can't be on the phone to you and help you and help you try to help her. Uh, This is just cruel. 
it is cruel. It is disgusting. It is horrifying that she's making these assumptions. She literally knows nothing about what's going on. She is not listening to a single thing that this woman's saying. I think as far as the dispatcher is, is concerned, she's sitting in ankle deep water going down a creek. She is not realising that she's in such a rampant uh, floodwaters that are actually entering her car. She is, you know, she just said, well, you know, stop using your oxygen up. You know, oh, what? Who, who, who cares about your, your new phone when you think that you're going to die? If you want to vomit, vomit. You know, these are all parts of someone in absolute terror. People mm. in terror vomit. This happens. And this woman is saying that she's going to do that. She's letting her know how fearful she is becoming. And the dispatcher doesn't give a shit. She literally does not care. I know that they have to sort of step back. I know all of this and we know that we have a lot of dispatchers and ex-dispatchers that have that are part of our Patreon and our, our open membership yep. and they know how you need to step away from this but this is beyond stepping away. This is Oh, I'd love to hear their reactions to this because I think every oh, one of them will, will be angry sure. about this. Yeah, this is disgusting. This is showing the 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 bad end of it, and I get that because they save lives. And 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 when I lost my husband, and I rung triple O. I got fantastic help, and, and and they do all of the right thing. We're looking at the extreme, but this just shows you how horrifying it can be. And as you said, we're talking about a life or death situation right here. But uh, Donna, the dispatcher does not even cons consider that this is life or death. She just r believes that she's listening to a panicking person who can't swim and so she's out of her, her comfort zone, not that this is someone who is terrified that she's about to die. Yeah. Well, if you were facing your last breaths, what would you want to do? Probably talk to your family. Debbie wants to do the same thing. Just stay on the phone with me. I'm going to get somebody there to you. They should be there. Because I'm sending the fire out to you to help you out. Can I put you in Can I? I need to call my mother-in-law. She knows I'm okay. Okay. Well, you're not okay, so you can call your mother-in-law when you're actually out of the vehicle. So no, you cannot call her right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you pray? Will you pray with me? In her vehicle. Hello? I'm here. I can still hear everything you're saying to me. I have Will like, you pray with me, please? You go ahead and start off the prayer and I'll listen to you. I sure will. This woman wants comfort in her final minutes. That's what it sounds like. We're not, we don't know how this ends yet. But at the moment, we have to assume that Debbie thinks she is dying. Whether she is or not, she is in a very perilous situation. She believes these are her last moments and she wants comfort. She is certainly not getting that. No, she's not. Um, sorry, <laughs> this this is where it gets me. You know, um, she she wants comfort in in prayer. You know, she wants her to start like all like I know that I, I know that the dispatch is talking to other people now because we hear that part as well. But you know, 
she can just well you start off darling um, and i'll just join in you know you know you can't ring your mother-in-law when you're out of this show you can give her a call you know this woman is like wanting her last moments recorded she wants to say mom i love you you know tell the kids tell her husband whoever her family is she she wants that comfort because she's at a point now of acceptance that she may not get help and she's saying you know the police should be there now i'm sending the fire brigade you haven't said that doll you haven't told her that the fire brigade is on its way she wants to hear these things to know that people are taking her seriously and that she's not a crackpot because obviously the the 911 calls be going crazy right now because she's probably not the only person stuck in floodwaters and people are pretty obvious by now she's not a crackpot this is a woman genuinely scared for her life yeah yeah, and and Donna the dispatcher does not care, and this woman is now wanting to pray. She she wants her soul to go to heaven because she's in her her coffin is what she believes right now, and you know yeah you go and pray. Mm. All right, let's continue. Yeah, but it's better that your vehicle is ruined than you being swept away and nobody knows where you are. So just stay on the phone. I'm going to be swept away because my mom No, you're not. You're, you have nowhere to be swept away to besides the street that you're on, so just calm down, okay? Well, I'm at the end of a street, but, man, right, no, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at it right now, and at the end of this street is some bushes, so you'll be just fine. Ma'am, it's getting all the way up to my chest, and I'm I know the water's the up chest. to your chest. Just stay on the phone with me, and I have an officer I have an officer in the fire department coming out to you, so just hold on, okay? Oh, thank you. I'm sorry if I'm rude, but I'm scared. You're not being rude. I know you're scared. Just calm down for me. I'm scared. I've never had anything like this happen to me before. Well, this, will, te- this will teach you next time. Don't drive in the water. I don't see how you didn't see it. You had to go right over it, so. No, ma'am. I was in a drive. I was in a parking lot. There was no water where I was at. Okay. And when I got to the end of the parking lot, I was looking for the road to get out into the main road. When I got to the main road, it was too late. There was water, and I didn't. I couldn't see it fast uh, enough. The water just didn't appear. I didn't see it fast enough. My headlight went out, and I couldn't see it. Okay. Flash flooding, flooding is a thing. Um, I don't know if it was flash flooding. Uh, dispatch says, and I can see you crying there, Amanda. Um, yep. She's she's having a look at a Google map from three years ago. The dispatcher at no yeah. stage believes this woman is in real trouble. It's obvious. It's obvious. No, she, you, and she's blaming her. You know, mm. well, they just didn't appear. And she's like, no, I was in a parking garage and I was coming down. I was trying to find the street. It's dark. I'm not in an area I know. The usual route I go was flooded, so I thought I'd, I'd go a safe way. You know, and she, she has said before that she's on the grass. She's not on a road. And she has said that. And this, this dispatcher still didn't get that. She has already been swept away part of the way. The fact that she can see bushes on a Google map, who gives a shit? This woman is in in dire need and she just really thinks that she's in like you know a, a, a tiny trickle down the side of a gutter that's all she thinks is happening and 
she you know like she is uh, debbie is apologizing i'm sorry if i'm being rude she's not being rude because i would have been using words that she hasn't even thought of yet because <laughs> it's just uh, it's it's <laughs> i get know, I, I know i know I what you're feeling lady and hug her i think yeah. we are all feeling this watching this and i gotta tell you my energy level has sunk really low watching this it, it's <sighs> It's really difficult. I want to see where this goes. I'm hoping for the best. Um, you know, the dispatcher is giving her, is criticising her decisions that got her into this. This is not the time. Right now it's about saving a life. But I don't know how it can happen. But the dispatcher actually gets unbelievably worse. I think Thank even you. though you can't swim, I think you can still stand up in this. How tall are you? Probably it's higher than me. I don't think so. I don't know. I'm only five foot tall. Okay, well, you're not three foot, so you'll be just fine. Okay. Well, the cops stand on in my house. I don't live very far. Ma'am. 10-4. They're pulling somebody else out the water, and as soon as they do, they'll come to you, so just stay right there, okay? I'm not going nowhere, ma'am. I can't go nowhere. She's now being called a liar <laughs> just to make things worse. Yeah, so, you know, well, you're not three foot tall, so you, you, there's no problem, you know, and they're, they're, they're dealing with someone else who has a far more worse predicament than you, so you just have to wait in the queue for us to get to you because you're not three foot tall and the water's only three foot high. Yeah, because she's got a camera live, you know, one of those helicopter things watching exactly what's happening right now. Like, she, the, she has said that the water is this high and she's saying, well, no, no, it can't be. And this woman is tiny. She, as she said, she's five foot. I'm five foot two. Um, you know, so I know even in three foot water, you can be gone in a second. So, especially you know, if there's just, a, if the, if the current is, 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 racing down this is flat this is and flooding that's, that's this is not she hasn't gone into yeah. a, a still creek she is in a flooding situation no one can know how high the the water is and even if she's right she's already said that the water is above um uh, the window it's in the car so they're trying to force that door open is a is a difficult thing but this dispatcher isn't done blaming debbie yet have a listen a lot of people have called in on you, so I don't think that nobody's just sitting there. They actually called in and they're not going to get their self in danger because you put yourself in danger. I understand that, ma'am. I understand that. I'm just scared. I know you're scared. So we're at the 15-minute mark. And in this time, Donna, the dispatcher, has essentially called Debbie a liar, materialistic, an idiot, and hysterical, if not any other derogative, derogative, derogative words you can think of. Amanda, uh, look, where do we go from here? At least people are on their way. We do know that now. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that other people have called in, that has been the first bit of comfort she would have got from that because now other people have called in because she was panicking that they didn't know where she was. And the fact that uh, the dispatcher is saying, I can see 
bushes, you're going to be fine. And she, she when, when, when Debbie doesn't know the answers or is confused by what she's saying, she stops talking. And that's what she's done a few times. The fact that now other people have rung in about her um, is, is helpful. But as we know, Donna has actually called her a liar. It's only three foot high, all this mm. sort of stuff. So is she getting this from the other calls? Because if she is, why isn't she listening to the woman on her call and not the 12 others going on around her? So, you know, this is the first moment of, of comfort, but it comes after all of these horrifying things. And she keeps apologising to her. Debbie really believes that she's wasting this dispatcher's time. Mm. She really believes that um, she has better things to do. And apparently the dispatcher agrees with that. I, I, I agree. But the dispatcher da- does give some what would seem good news with the fire brigade turning up. And the street goes to the end, and my car veered off to the left, and I'm behind these last seven apartments on the left-hand side. I'm behind them. I guess it's a circle down there. I don't know. I've never driven down on this part. I don't know, man. She said she's in, in between both apartment complexes on this street at the dead end. In the, back, in the very back side, there's a bunch of trees. <laughs> right there. The she showed 5801 at the end. The back side of these apartments over here, where these people are at, they can all see me. They're all standing out there watching. Miss Debbie, you're going to have to shut up, okay? Wow. (laughs) Yep. Um, She can hear the dispatcher getting the information wrong, and she's told to shut up. Look, I think we all agree this dispatcher is terrible. Terrible. I need. I need to just. And it's not going to help us just calling that out constantly. This this woman is woeful. Um, I want to get to the next clip. I want to find out what's happening. If you're okay with that, because yeah, let's just listen to the next clip. Oh my God! My car is starting to move. Oh man! My car is starting to move. Please. Okay, listen to me. I know. I'm. I'm trying to get you as help as I can. Okay, just hold on for me. Okay, man. Please. I, I know you're die, scared. Please. I know. Hold on for me because I've got to take other calls plus you and listen okay, to all these guys. So okay, just hold on for me. Okay. Okay, okay ma'am. Okay. 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 <laughs> dear Lord, please just get me out. Dear Lord, please help him find me. Dear Lord, please. Dear Lord, please. <laughs> Station one. Number seven is wanting you to go ahead and clip up the boat and get it ready if they should need you. Okay, I know. Listen to me. They are in the area. They are trying to find you. They cannot find you right now. I'm trying to ping where you are, so do not hang up because this 911 call is helping me ping your location. So don't don't hang up on me. Okay, where are you moving to? Tell me where it's going. Okay, tell me where you are. Listen to me, hold on. I'm on the phone with her right now. She is legit freaking out. She said the vehicle is now moving in the water and she doesn't know which way it's going, so stand by. Those were Debbie's last words. She drowned as her car got swept away.
Now, Amanda, I'm going to give you a moment because for everyone else, I want to show you the scene when police turned up and found the vehicle. For those on the video feed, you'll see the body cam footage. Those listening will hear the officer on the scene. I'm standing around the very back side of the apartment complex on the southeast side and the only part of her car I can see is the roof and the, the dome light that's on in it. I can't get out there to her and you're going to have to wait out here to me to get to me, so... Stop there. She's way back there. Yeah. Is there any way I can get this off and help you? I got another guy coming with life, Jack. I'm going to start getting this off so I can help. It's very important to see those images because on a night of flooding, the fact is the call wasn't taken more seriously. Amanda, your reaction, I think, is the reaction a lot of us are feeling as we watch this. Um, are you okay? Yeah, it's just, you know, it just... it. it... 15 minutes is a long time in a phone call to 911. In all of that time, she could have said, we're sitting someone now and keep giving the details as she gets the details. Not shut up, not settle down, you're using up your oxygen, you know, you're not three feet tall, so you're not going to drown, you know. And there's literally saying we can't see anything but the roof, you know. And even if a car is three feet tall, I don't care, I have no idea. But just... Oh, just the fact that um, this poor woman could have been saved and, you know, as I said, this is... Sorry, I'm a very ugly crier. Um, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just called, I just called my own view just then. Um, it's just... It's just so heartbreaking that from the very first moment of this call, this woman could have been saved. And 15 minutes later, she's telling her to shut up and I'm going to try and think about sending an officer out to, to, to pick you up. Maybe next time you won't go into in, into floodwaters. Next time you might ring, ring your mother-in-law. Let's face it, she could have just rung her mother-in-law and spent those last few moments with her in rather comfort. than a rude... C person that I would love to say, but I won't, um, who treated her like that as that woman was begging, begging for help. This wasn't just some hysterical person just, you know, exaggerating what's happening. This is a woman who died. We heard her die. We heard those final moments as she went under the floodwaters and this woman still didn't give a shit until ever. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's interesting... On the YouTube page where this is, a comment actually said, we just listened to a 20-minute-long murder. 
I think that's an yep. interesting take. Look, as you can imagine, the death sent shockwaves around the community. Here's how Fox 24 reported it at the time. Ms. Debbie, you're going to have to shut up, okay? A horrifying 911 call that would end up being the last moments of Deborah Stevens' life. This will teach you next time don't drive in the water. I don't see how you didn't see it. You had to go right over it, so. While water was rising up past her chest and completely covering Stevens' SUV, the dispatcher, Donna Renault, heard telling Stevens, who was panicking, to stop. You're not going to die. I don't know why you're freaking out. When first responders were finally able to reach Stevens and remove her from her car, she had already drowned. I completely understand the uh, disgust and the concern uh, that we all have in regards to the interactions between the dispatcher and uh, Ms. Stevens. Fort Smith Interim Police Chief Danny Baker says Renault had been with the department for five years and was a certified dispatch training officer. She handed in a resignation on August 9th, and this call was taken during her last shift, very possibly her last call she took. It's a, it's a tragic thing. I understand that. Are there things that we need to maybe look at in our response? Absolutely. I don't have an officer available, so it's going to take a minute, so I'm going to try to get somebody out there, please. Baker says there were nine officers and four dispatchers on duty Saturday morning. Inundated with 911 calls from other people also stranded in floodwaters. Everything was done that was humanly possible, given the circumstances and at that time, to save Miss Stevens' life. And I'm horribly sorry that that wasn't possible. Now Baker says he'll be taking a hard look at how FSPD responds to these accidents in the future. Obviously, we can't in investigate someone who no longer works here. However, uh, an investigation into our policies, our response our dispatch center. I've been in communication with the fire chief. We're looking at uh, what we can do to maybe increase uh, training for our dispatchers in regards to swift water rescue and other things. I think it's very disingenuous to say that everything was done to save this woman's life. Yeah, because we, we just saw that it wasn't. You know, uh, it, it was just... A balls up from the very first moment. There's there's so many words I want to use, but I'm trying to keep this PG um, because I, I <laughs> you know how I get when I just get to that point. I know. And this and, is and the moments. other thing though is this was her last shift. This was at care factor zero. No matter that she was dealing with life and death. Yeah, this was, I'm just waiting to, to clock out. She was obviously on the night shift, probably ends at 7 a.m. like like most uh, the third shifts do. So she was just counting down these last two hours and it was a shit show because, as I said, there was multiple people being trapped. But you don't blame someone. She's already in the issue. She can't go back and say, oh, well, you know, I'll just reverse up and I'll be right. Thanks, thanks, you know. That wasn't an option. So blaming her, telling her that it's her fault that she's in this, that she's um, that her car can't possibly catch fire, and she's saying it's you know it's turned on, it's going because you know while I can get in there, and though I don't know anything about cars, not even where the petrol goes sometimes. It's <laughs> it's about these issues that are happening that you know she hasn't even spoken about. Like she left her interior light on, hoping that they could see her. This is how desperate she was getting, and that's what made them find her was that interior light was on. She had her front lights on, but obviously they were way deep by then. Mm -hmm. you know. But uh, this dispatcher really did not take her seriously at a single moment in this. Mm -hmm. Well, 
An investigation into the call found no wrongdoing by the dispatcher, although she was considered rude and uncaring. <laughs> you just Surely know. Surely that is two traits that they're supposed to have, yeah. You just know that um, that was to stop the department having any liability. Sorry, I'm calling yeah, that. Yeah, it was just, it was lip service, yeah. It was 100% lip service. Yeah, Shay was rude, you know, we can't take it back, yeah. you know. Anyway, a final footnote to this story is that the family of Debbie forgave the dispatch operator. Here they are talking to Inside Edition about the tragedy, starting with their, with her sister-in-law, Rebecca. Even in those moments, her last moments, she was still Debbie. She was still genuine and sincere and kind and loving and respectful. One hour later, first responders found her dead. Inside Edition was invited to the memorial service held for Debbie over the weekend. And it turned out to be a double service. You see, Debbie's 80-year-old mom died three weeks after Debbie's. Her family believes she died of a broken heart. I do think that that played a big role in her death. She was brokenhearted. Her friends filled the pews, a community united in grief in the untimely deaths of two women gone too soon. But even in their deepest grief, her family's message is one of forgiveness for the 911 dispatcher. I do forgive her, even though it's hard. They are better people than me because I would never forgive. Yeah. Never. This woman deserves no, no. jail, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Look, good on Debbie's family, and that's part of their healing process I get, but I will would never, ever be able to forgive. No, it, it's just, you know, when, when I heard this call, um, I don't even know how I found it now. I, I, I find random things sometimes, and it... It was just a slow and torturous death, and this poor woman spent it apologising to someone she never knew who wasn't taking her seriously. As you said, they're better people than us because I could never forgive her. You know, mm. the fact that her mum died, I didn't know that until you just played it out. It just breaks my heart. Yeah, and that's why I think um, going forward... We're, we're talking about doing more of the aftermath of these things as well because there are yeah. elements that come out. And I think uh, seeing the mum and hearing about the mum and, and all those other things is really, really important. Look, we're going to leave it there, but we're going to do something different. And feel free to stop the podcast or the video cast right now if you want. But I'm going to play that last 911 part again because these are Debbie's last words. And I think we owe it to her to hear it again. As hard as it is, and it is hard. This isn't. Um, this isn't for. Uh, what do they call it? Um, entertainment porn or anything like that. The, uh, this woman died because of the inactions of someone. She was putting her life into this woman's hands. This woman, this dispatcher, let her down. And I think it is worth hearing those final moments again to understand the importance we all play if we are ever put in a situation like that. This woman died because of inaction, because of not being believed. I think that's a message for all of us. Hopefully we are never 
in a situation like this where it literally is life and death. But I am really sorry for this woman and I hate the fact she, her last moments on this earth were so terrifying. But we're going to go out on it. We'll see you next week on Monsters Who Matter. Oh my God, my car is starting to move. Oh man, my car is starting to move, please. Okay, listen to me. I know. I'm, I'm trying to get you as help as I can, okay? Just hold on for me. Okay, man, please. I, I know you're scared. Please. I know. Hold on for me because I've got to take other calls plus you and listen okay, to all the Okay, ma'am. So okay, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. Okay. 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 Dear Lord, please just get me out. Dear Lord, please help them find me. Dear Lord, please. <laughs> Station one. Number seven is wanting you to go ahead and clip up the boat and get it ready if they should need you. Okay, I know. Listen to me. They are in the area. They are trying to find you. They cannot find you right now. I'm trying to ping where you are, so do not hang up because this 911 call is helping me ping your location. So don't don't hang up on me. Okay, where are you moving to? Tell me where it's going. Okay, tell me where you are. Listen to me, hold on. I'm on the phone with her right now. She is legit freaking out. She said the vehicle is now moving in the water and she doesn't know which way it's going, so stand by. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.